0: Okay, just a question for y'all, all all right? Have you ever been in a room and something happens, but you're like super oblivious to it? Okay, like for instance, probably like, mm, I don't know, maybe like 15, 20 minutes ago, there's like a thousand phone drops happening and everybody's like, oh, that's just normal. Totally oblivious that that's so annoying. I just gotta call it out, okay? So if you have a cell phone, grab it just put it in a pocket, okay? Just do it for the love of all things good in this world because it's super awkward if you drop it and I'm down here. It's real awkward, I'll call you out for it, okay? So make sure you put your phones away, but um, in all reality, I wanna talk to you about a story of a time where I had absolutely no idea what was going on in a room happening around me. And um, for instance, uh, my entire fifth grade, okay? Fifth grade was a hard year. How many of you are sixth graders? Right, God bless, you are past the fifth grade stage, okay? Fifth grade was terrible for me, one, because that was the first time that I had started, oh man, we got a phone drop. I'll wait, put it in your pocket. You don't have to point. I, I can see it. It's like super light, like lit to everybody here. I can see all your faces. It's awesome. Okay. So just put it in your pocket. Um, and if you drop it next and we have to pause and then we have to take a pause on what the Lord's trying to speak to you. So just put it away. And so uh fifth grade year was really hard because that was my first year of starting public school. Okay. Now, um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm like what you call, I say this a lot, just like not cool, okay? Or not relevant, or not with the times. And fifth grade was no different for me because um, a little bit of a backstory. So, my dad is Hungarian. If you don't know, um, Hungary is a place in Europe. And my dad's from Hungary. His whole family's from Hungary. My grandma, my grandpa, my uncles, everybody on my dad's side is from Hungary. So he is Hungarian. And um, we speak English in my house, but also Hungarian was a language that was very common in our home. And it turns out um, when you sign up for school, your parents have to fill out a lot of forms. And one of those forms is what ethnicity are you? Are you white? Are you Hispanic? Are you Native American? And your parent just has to circle one of them them. And then there's an option that says other. And my dearest mom, God bless her. Okay. My mom Elisa, she circled other and she put Hungarian, which is yes, true, but also I'm not just Hungarian. Okay. And so I gear up for the first day of school. I got my backpack on. I'm so excited. That's such a lie. I was so nervous. I hated school. And I remember I got in my class and I sat down and then the teacher got up and started speaking. And I was like, girl, what are you saying right now? And I could kind of notice everybody else in my class was just nodding their head. And I was like, Am it, is it me? is it me? Am I the problem? Is it me? And I just kept looking around and um, it turns out my dearest mother had put me, because when she circled other and put that we are Hungarian, she um, then sent me to an ESL class. If you don't know what that is, that's English as a second language class. Uh, I know English, okay? That's not a problem. I know English, but everybody in my class did not. And so I was completely, completely lost. I had absolutely no idea what was going on around me. But tonight, I want to talk about a woman who did know what was going on around her. A woman who was not going to miss what God was going to do in her life. And her name is Rahab. Can everybody say Rahab? Rahab. Rahab. Okay. Now, Rahab... I'm gonna be a little honest with you guys. I'm gonna be a little upfront with you. I'm gonna believe that you are mature enough to handle the truth that I'm about to spit at you, okay? So here's the deal, if you got giggles, you'll have time to get them out, but just, we can do this maturely, okay? Now, Rahab is what you would say as maybe not like a churchgoer. Like Rahab, I guarantee you, would probably not, not step foot into this building, into 4640 if it were back in the day. Rahab is what, maybe how you call easy, okay? Rahab is maybe like, I don't know what you call a hussy, all right? Uh, Rahab was a prostitute. If you don't know what that is, I got nothing for you, all right? We're just, gear up and learn for yourself, okay? Now, Rahab was a prostitute, and what I love the most is that God still used her, And maybe, yes, a prostitute is extreme, and maybe you have never heard that word before, but she is straight up in the Bible. She is in the Old Testament. You can find her story in the book of Joshua. And what we are talking about over the next couple weeks is people in the Old Testament. You girls, you guys good? Okay, we're just going to keep our hands and feet to ourselves. You're fine. We'll just be mature. All right, and uh, Rahab is in the Old Testament, and so this whole entire couple of weeks, we're going over people in the Old Testament, and she is one of my absolute favorite. And our story starts way back in the day with a dude named Moses, everybody say Moses. Moses, and it was Moses' job to lead the Israelites to the Promised Land. Maybe you have heard this story before. But what had actually happened was Moses never got the Israelites to the Promised Land, he had died. Did, okay, straight up. So then God's like, okay, well, the Israelites, they will make it to the promised land, but I'm gonna raise up somebody named Joshua to lead them there. And so our story picks up with Joshua, and Joshua sends out two spies to this place called Jericho, and that is where Rahab, our prostitute, our homegirl, lives. And these spies show up and there's nowhere else to stay in Jericho except Rahab's home. And so they stay with Rahab. It says in Joshua 2, the king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, bring out the men who came in and entered your home because they have come to spy out the whole land. And Rahab's like, okay, king, here's the deal. This is kind of how I picture Rahab's response to the king because she's kind of a cray-cray woman, in my opinion, and I love her. I kind of picture, she's like, oh my gosh, king, like, no way, okay? There are like no men that have come into my home. And the king's like, really? 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 Do you know who you are?" And she's like, okay, listen, there are no spies that have come into my home. Nobody is here. Maybe like, I don't know, go check up in the hills or something. And it turns out the spies, they're just chilling on the top of her roof. Why the king didn't send people to look at the top of the roof? I don't know, maybe he didn't have glasses. I'm not sure. And so the king sends out some people to look for these spies. Meanwhile, the spies are on top of Rahab's home. And she says to the spies, I know that the Lord has given you this land. I know that the Lord has given you this land. And every time I read this part of the story, every single time I have to stop and I have to think, how does Rahab know that? How does she know that these spies are Israelites, that they are God's chosen people, that they are the good guys? How does she know that? How does Rahab know that God has given them this land, that he has given them the promised land? And I can't help but think, does Rahab, our prostitute, have a relationship with God? Did God tell her, hey, I'm going to bring some people. They're going to hang out on your roof. It's going to be kind of weird, but just roll with it. They're the good guys. They're the Israelites. I can't help but think, does Rahab know that God wanted to use her in this plan? Did he know that she was gonna be this key part in setting the Israelites free to the promised land? So Rahab then goes on talking to the spies and starts declaring in faith the things that God has done. She starts saying, you know, I know that you have been set free. I know that God set you out of Egypt. I know that you have been freed from slavery. I know, I know, I know. But Rahab hadn't seen that with her eyes. She had just read about it. She had only heard stories of God's faithfulness. And I think Rahab not only believed that God is so powerful, but she believed God could save my family and me from the destruction of Jericho. She goes on to, this, to say to the spies, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Could it be that a woman, Rahab, so covered in her guilt, in her shame for what she has done, have a relationship with our God. Rahab then tells the spies, listen, I'll hide you here. I promise I won't tell the king. And they're like, okay, yeah, sick, that's chill. And she says, as long as you spare my life and also my family's life. Joshua 2 says, our lives for your lives, the men reassured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us this land. It goes on in Joshua 2.16. She said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there for three days until they return and then go on your way. So the men are about to leave and they're like, how do we know that you will keep your promise? How do we know that the minute we leave this and we go report back to Joshua that this land is okay to take over, how do we know that you won't go to the king and you won't sell us out? And she says, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm going to take a scarlet cord and I will put it on my window. That will be a sign that I promise to you, I will not sell you out. I promise to you, I will not, I will not tell the king that you are there. So the spies hid out for three days and then returned to Joshua and told them that God has surely given us this land. So Joshua and the Israelites prepared to take over Jericho. And this next part of the story is probably one that you're, that you're pretty familiar with. So if fast forward to chapter six. So now Joshua and all the Israelites are gearing up to take over the land of Jericho. But first, the Lord gives them some orders of what they need to do. The Lord tells them, you need to march around the city once a day for six days. But then on the seventh day, you need to march around the city seven times. So that's what Joshua and his men did. They marched around the city on the last day, the seventh day. They marched around seven times, and Jericho fell to the ground. Joshua and his men came in, and they burned the city to the ground. It says in Joshua 6, but Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho, and she lives among the Israelites to this day. Another version in the Bible says, now she dwells with the Israelites to this day. You have to understand that Rahab, she's technically enemies with the Israelites. The Israelites, if you've been in church for any amount of time, you know those are God's chosen people. Those are people that God has set apart, that God has spared, that God has called holy, that he has said they are favored, they are chosen, and they are loved. And you have to understand, Rahab, she was not looked at as favored or chosen or holy or loved. People, when they looked at Rahab or when they thought about Rahab, they thought how disgusting she was. They thought about how she sold herself to make a living. They thought about the disgusting things that Rahab was known for. But Rahab, the muddied and the defiled, was now being called favored and chosen by God. She now dwells in the very place that the Lord has declared holy and sacred. Rahab went from being a woman full of guilt and shame for what she has done to now being part of God's chosen people. So now, what I wanna do is I need, uh, I need a little bit of help. Courtney, why don't you come on out here for me, dear, okay? Courtney, come on out here. Now, uh, this is Courtney, she's, she's awesome, okay? I've been her kid's pastor since she was in like the second grade. Really cool, me and Madeline got to see her grow up, so she's pretty cool. Give her a high five at the end of this. Now, uh, Courtney, I have this $20 bill. Okay, you can see it with your own eyes. You can see it's legit, right? It's not a magic trick, I don't know how to do that, that's weird, okay, we're in God's house. All right, now this is a $20 bill, and there ain't nothing wrong with my $20 bill. It is great, I took it from Hope, it is awesome. And Courtney, do you want this $20 bill? You don't know if you want it, it's free money, it's real. Do you want this $20 bill? You do. Okay, but what about, if I crumple it up. Do you still want the $20 bill? Still $20 bill, right? Okay. Uh Courtney, what if I like, I don't know, uh hmm, I might need a towel, hope. Okay, what if I like, hmm, throw some mud up on there? Okay. Maybe do a little stomp on the ground with it. Maybe kick it around. Do you still want this twenty dollar bill? Yeah? Okay, you can have it no gimmicks you can have the $20 bill you go ahead and have a seat yeah you go ahead and have a seat I'm sorry I'm real dirty I'm sorry I asked for a towel it's okay it might not come that's okay now why did Corny still want the $20 bill she wanted it because it didn't matter if I crumbled it up it didn't matter if I threw it in some mud and some dirt it doesn't change the value that it is still a $20 bill It doesn't change the value. It doesn't change the way you see it. All of you are still saying, yeah, take the money. Dude, take the money and run. It's 20 bucks, absolutely. But the only difference is it still has value in it. It still carries worth. It didn't matter what had happened to it. It didn't matter that I crumbled it up. It didn't matter that I put it through mud. It didn't matter the things that it went through because the $20 bill never lost its value. It never lost It's worth, and the same is for you. The things that you have done, the things that you go through, the mistakes that you have made, the sins that you commit and that you will commit, maybe to you it feels like it just went through the ringer. Maybe to you it feels like, man, I've just been crumpled up, I've just been stepped on, I've just been thrown in the mud, but to God your worth does not change. It does not matter the things that you have done, your worth does not change. You are still you that $20 bill still carries value. You still carry value. So Rahab's story, it doesn't end with God leading her to save the Israelites, leading them to the promised land. See, Rahab is actually mentioned in the book of Hebrews. And if you know, then the book of Hebrews is actually called the book of faith. The hall of faith is what we call it. And if you are mentioned in the book of Hebrews, Get your giggles out, it's fine. It's just God's word. If you are mentioned in the book of Hebrews, then you are mentioned because you have done something incredible. And it says in Hebrews 11, Rahab the prostitute had faith. So she welcomed the spies. That's why she wasn't killed with those who didn't obey God. I love that the writer of Hebrews, he left her name as Rahab the prostitute. We don't forget who she is or what she's done, but God said, but man, look at what I've brought her through. She is known in the book, the hall of faith, for what she has done. Despite the things that she has done, despite her muddy past, she was used by God. But again, her story doesn't end there. Because Rahab not only leads the Israelites to the promised land, not only is she known in the hall of faith, but she also would have the same bloodline as Jesus. Jesus, our savior, would come through the bloodline of Rahab, the prostitute. Right, Jesus, who came to save save us, who came to die on a cross for you and for me, to take away all of our guilt and our shame and all of our mistakes, would come through the very line of a lying prostitute. That is pretty incredible to, to me. Rahab illustrates that God's purpose, it's not limited to your past. I can't imagine the shame that Rahab had felt. Nice, put it in your pocket. I can't imagine the guilt that she would feel. I can't imagine the sleepless nights of her staying up questioning, why does God want to use me? Does he know the things that I have done? Does he know the sin that I am stuck in? Does he know what I just did last week? Why is he trying to use me? And I think when we hear the story of Rahab, maybe even tonight, you're thinking, okay, I've done some stuff I'm not proud of, but I'm also not as bad as a prostitute. I might have done some stuff that I'm kind of ashamed of, but at least I'm not as bad as Rahab. Rahab was also a liar and a deceiver. She lied to the king. She said the spies aren't here. She deceived her very own people and got her life spared. And I think we relate with Rahab more than we think we do. We lie. We lie to our parents. We lie to the people we love. We deceive people. When we feel alone, maybe we even, maybe we even sell out some of our beliefs, if that means we can have friends. Maybe we sell out for instant gratification. So we do something because it feels good, doesn't matter the consequences. Maybe we sell out and we do the very things we said we would never do. Maybe we sell out for the first guy that thinks we're pretty. Doesn't matter if he's a Christian, doesn't matter what he believes in, he thinks I'm pretty. Maybe guys, you sell out for the first girl's attention. Maybe you lie behind your parents' back. Maybe you're dating somebody you know you're not supposed to be dating. Maybe you're keeping secrets, maybe you are deceiving. And some of us carry that same shame and that same guilt that Rahab had. That same shame and that same guilt that maybe keeps you up at night thinking, how could God still care about me? How could God still love me? How could God still want to use me? I lie to people. Well, God still wants to use you. You deceive people, God still wants to use you. Maybe you've messed up a lot. Maybe you've gone too far with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Well, God still wants to use you. Rahab shows us that the plan of God is greater than your failures. She is a walking testament of the Lord's redemption. She is a walking testament to the Lord's faithfulness in our lives. And I think tonight, some of you are here because God is trying to wake you up. Some of you are here because God is trying to say to you, quit saying what you've done in the past will define your future. Quit saying what you have done, the mistakes that you have made will cause God not to use you. Quit saying that because that is simply not true. And us pastors and all of Blue Team, we are walking testament of that too if we decided to let our past get in our way, if we decided to let the very things we did that were not good things, things that we're ashamed of define how God uses us, then none of us would be here, not any one of us. But instead, you can look around and you can see we're just people who are broken, people who come from broken pasts, people who have done bad things but have still said, God, use me. Now, this isn't just a free pass. It's not a free pass that you get to go around and you get to do whatever kind of sins you want. It's not a free pass that you can lie behind your parents' back because you know, oh, God will just use me. It's not a free pass for that. But what it is, is it's a reminder, God will still use me despite my mistakes. We still wanna try to live a life that honors God, a life that glorifies God, a life following his plan for our life, following what the Bible says, but knowing I'm gonna mess up, but I know that that doesn't determine if God still has a plan for me or not. He used a prostitute. That's incredible. What people would think that she couldn't be used, that she shouldn't be used, God said, no, that is the perfect person for me to use. It says in Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God uses the very things we think that disqualify us from being used by God, the very things that we think are disgusting, he uses those very things to bring glory to his name. And he wants to do it through each and every one of you. God uses imperfect people, people who make mistakes, people who make poor choices, people who lie, people who deceive. God still wants to use you. And so you've got to quit believing that you can't be used by God. You've got to quit believing that God can't use me because of the things I have done, because it's simply not true. He has a plan for each and every one of your lives, and all you have to do is just ask him, and he is ready to use you. So go ahead, bow your heads, close your eyes, let me pray over you. God, we just love you. Lord, we thank you that you use imperfect people. We thank you that you use people who are a mess, people who do bad things, people who have things that we couldn't even think of, things that we couldn't even fathom. God, we thank you that you use us. We thank you that you are a God that forgives, that you sent Jesus to die for us so that we don't have to pay for what we've done. I thank you for each and every one of these students in this room. And Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that they would not believe the lie that they can't be used by you. But instead, you have such a big plan for their lives. And we pray right now in Jesus' name that it would come to pass. We thank you so much. And it's in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.